I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my longtime buddy, great friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. We're glad you're here, too. We're glad that, to see that the downloads are going viral. We literally had 1,300 downloads in, in one day, half a day. In a half a day, we had 1,300 downloads. And I don't really know the reason why, but I sure am grateful for it because it, it seems like we really busted loose. We didn't used to have that many downloads no it just dramatically increased and we're, we're trying to figure out why at first I thought Steve fell asleep with his finger on the download button but apparently not apparently they're coming from Canada no. Vietnam Mexico a lot from Mexico United now States. Yeah. A, a lot from Mexico that was a sight to behold Appreciate that. Appreciate you guys in Mexico. Appreciate you guys listening in Canada as well. We're, we're so grateful. You can't imagine how grateful we are that you're listening to the podcast. We hope it blesses you. We hope that you receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation and things that didn't come to light before come to light now. And you can see the Bible for what it's saying. Stick with us. Keep listening. You'll be amazed because all this stuff amazed us years back. We got revelation for years and years and years. Just one cool thing after another. And at Guardians of Grace, that's what we want to do. We want to just spoon feed all this revelation that we got or we received. We want to share it with everybody so podcast after podcast it'll be something fresh fresh and new in a new revelation by god's grace so fresh we have no idea what we're even going to say yes each podcast that's right that's That's the truth too that's the truth speaking of which last week well let me can i give out the web page yes yes not number. What is it? Address? Um, yeah, the the URL. It's guardinggrace.com. That's super, super simple. Guardinggrace.com. Guardinggrace.com. And Go. by the way, it's G-U-A, not G-A-U. <laughs> I yeah. found that out the hard way for three months. I tried to email guard dog Steve. That's funny. <laughs> Someone That's funny. told me I was 
misspelling guard. So yes, guardinggrace.com. When you get there, you can hit the follow us button and it'll take you to our web, our Facebook page. But you have to do one more thing because it, it's actually sending it to the wrong place. It's sending it to my private Facebook page. When you push follow us, it'll take you to the Facebook page. Then push the icon, the home icon, the one that looks like a little building. Push that. It'll take you right into the community where 5,000 people are sharing scriptures back and forth and back and forth and iron is sharpening iron and everybody's being fed and built up and edified by each other. It's quite a phenomenon that's going on at the Guardians of Grace Facebook page. Needs help. And if anyone wants to help us with suggestions, you can put those on there too. You can contact us on the webpage. Yes, because we need technical help in the worst way. There's the tedious little thing we can't do. We're just glad that the podcast is exploding right now. That's a good thing. We thank you guys. We thank you. And it's all God because... We're sorry about the technical glitches that we've had in the last couple podcasts. They were unbelievably hard to figure out why we were having those noises come into the podcast, but we think we have it straight and this will be a, a normal podcast again. But we apologize for the technical difficulties in the past couple podcasts. But we tied up Steve's hand. That's how much we're dedicated to not being distracted while we're podcasting. Amen. Amen. So let's get into it. I think as we usually do, let's. we spent the majority of last podcast in Colossians 2 about... Well, do you mind doing the review? Sure, sure. In the last podcast, we spoke quite a bit about these silver-tongued people with their fine-sounding arguments swaying what you believe. They're taking you captive to their persuasive words rather than on dependency on Christ, which is, is what the New Covenant Christian is supposed to do. He's supposed to depend on the spirit of Christ within him to do for him what he can't do for himself. But they were with fine sounding arguments, swaying people and Paul was fighting against them. And I'll just read to you what Paul said in, in Colossians, let's say 2.17. It says, let no one keep defrauding you from the prize by delighting in self-abasement, that's harsh treatment of the body, they were flagellating themselves, and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions that this person has seen, he's inflated without cause by his human mind, right there, the human mind, and he's not holding on to the head from whom 
the body is being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments and grows with a growth which is from God. That's what Paul's saying. The growth comes from God and you're not abiding in the vine where you can grow as a Christian. He says, if you've died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why are you acting as though you're living in it? Doing things like do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. All these things are destined to perish with use, Paul is saying, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men with those fine persuasive arguments they cause you to put yourself under the teachings and the commandments that men made up for you. They're just making up new rules for you to do and you're falling for it. And Paul is fighting desperately against it and this is the reason why. He says, these matters have to be sure. The appearance of wisdom, they sound smart because the guy is so silver-tongued. They have the appearance of wisdom in their self-made religion and abuse of the body, but they, they have no value against restraining fleshly indulgence. There's no value to those fine-sounding arguments. They have no value against putting to death the deeds of your body. The very thing that you want to do, crucifying the old man and letting the new man live through you, those fine-sounding arguments have nothing to do. They have no value in causing you to be able to fight sin because you're a little more dedicated than you used to be. There's no value there in that mentality. But to let Christ do it for you who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Letting Jesus do for you what you can't do for yourself is what Paul was fighting so hard against the fine-sounding legalists that were opposing him. And that's what we were reviewing last week. And remember, we even went to the NET Bible, the New English Translation, the one that puts all the scholar mind to, to come up with notes on how to translate. They, they actually tell you why they translated it this way. And in their the NET translation of the, the verse you just read in Colossians, these have the appearance of wisdom but lack any value in restraining. Theirs goes on to say they actually will most likely drive you into that behavior that you're trying to avoid. Cause you to sin. Why? Because when the commandments come in, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law cause you to bear fruit for death, Romans 7, 5. Yeah, that one in 7, 5, 6, 7, and 8, sin taking sin taking an opportunity given by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So it doesn't really matter if it's the, the Mosaic law or these principles, fine-sounding arguments. 
unshakable, unbreakables, all those accountability partner, all that fine sounding argument that you think is going to keep you from doing bad behavior, fleshly behavior, so to speak. It actually puts your mind on you. And then what happens? You're back in the ring fighting sin, who's no match for you. And it, it You're no match for him. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I just put myself in. I'll give it one more try. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you see that? How the law, and that's what we concluded. What then was the purpose of the law? Well, I can tell you what the purpose of the law was not to stop you from sinning. It was saying that the law was added that the trespass would increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So the law was added that the trespass would increase, meaning the amount of marked transgressions, a list of all the things we can't do right would just explode. With the explosion of all the things that you can't do right, you would come to the same conclusion Paul did at the end of Romans 7. Wretched man that I am. Now, how did he come to that conclusion? He was he went back under the law. He said, I once was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, the sin sprang to life and I died. The commandment that I thought was going to produce life, that the unshakable, unbreakable, that I thought was going to give me victory over going to the bars, the accountability that I thought was going to keep me from smoking cigarettes, they kept having that accountability partner, it actually produced in him all kinds of going to the bar, all kinds of smoking cigarettes, all all kinds of, in Paul's case, it was coveting. He said, I wouldn't have known what coveting was. But once the commandment came, man, I couldn't stop coveting. Then he says, but apart from that law, sin is dead. Sin is dead when you don't activate the flesh to try and fight sin. Leave that guy out of the ring. And that's what the purpose of the law was. It was to teach you to depend on Jesus Christ in you, the only power to beat the sin guy, the only power to stop sinning, Jesus in you. It said it in Galatians 3, it said it became a tutor to lead us to Christ. And now that we have put our faith in Christ to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, there is no longer a need for the law. That's what it says in Galatians 3. No longer a need for the law. So you don't want to go back to it because you're just going to prove yourself to be a sinner all over again, which is what Galatians chapter 2 says. And you don't need that proved to you again. No. That's what Paul said. The the law is good if one uses it correctly, but the law is not for the righteous. The law is not for the born-again believer. The law is for the person that thinks he can live the Christian life on his own strength. That's what the law is for. It's good because it'll show him that he can. That's why Jesus, when he came and proclaimed the Sermon on the Mount, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, he went and he magnified the, the law so that the people at the end of the law, well, his last sentence was what? Be Therefore, ye perfect. How, how perfect? As your Father in heaven is perfect. No one went away from that message encouraged. No. 
they had a, a true understanding of the limitations of their own human capabilities. And that's what Jesus said those things to bring about. The law did that. The same thing happened with the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus and said, what good things must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered him. He said, you know the commandments, and he listed six or seven. Then the rich young ruler said, all these I've kept since my youth. You guys know it. And Jesus didn't stop there because this is the purpose of the law. He said, sell everything you have, all of it, and give it to the poor and follow me. And he walked away disappointed. The law had done its purpose. It had shown him that he cannot be perfect, as it says, as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. His, and even the disciples said, wow, Lord, what did they say? Who can do this? Who can do this? This is too hard to do. Do you remember the answer Jesus gave him? He said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible, and it's possible for you if you walk according to the Spirit and not according to human effort to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law, Romans 8, 4. So you could say the law, how, how do I say this? The law came so that no, that we would come to the conclusion that it's impossible. It shut up all men under sin. That's what it said. The law shut up all men under sin. And then the next question is, what is the purpose of the law? You can find that in Galatians 3. And then it tells you, the purpose of the law was to be a tutor to lead us to Christ. And now that we are putting our dependency on Christ to make it through each and every day as a shining example of what a Christian should be, then there's no longer any need for the law. And then the, the added purpose of the law, it says, was to mark out transgressions just one after the other, after the other, every transgression you would ever commit, every time you broke the law, or I broke the law, or anyone broke the law, it was all added up, all accounted for, and all put on Jesus when he went to the cross and paid for in full. That's what he leads off to in Colossians 3, 1, which is right Where after. we want to go, because after we found out what a Christian's not supposed to do, which is put himself back under the law. Now we want to figure out what a Christian is supposed to do. And that's where your passage comes into play. We're actually finished with review. Yep. Our dog see that would that's how Colossians two ends, and so we're ready for Colossians three. I'm gonna read out of the I don't know what translation it is. So if you Colossians 3.1, I'm sorry. So if you have been raised with Christ, and that if there is, actually could be translated if and you are. Since. Or since. some, I think the NASB yeah. does say since then you've been raised with Christ. Right. That's a better translation. It's a fact. Yeah. You've been raised with Christ. Since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. What are the earthly things? Uh, the bars, you know, just doing... No! <laughs> no. 
No, I'm just, uh, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The earthly things were setting your mind on what the fine-sounding argument preachers were telling you to set your mind on. All these formulas and accountability partners and the big one, rededication. You got to rededicate and try and get it right this time. That is not setting your mind on things above. That is very much setting your mind on things below. And one day we're going to have to do a podcast on the difference between setting your mind on things above and setting your mind on things below. We'll have to go to James and a few other places, but we'll we'll make it crystal clear what it means. Maybe we can get that to that in this podcast. Even. Where is that verse that says you could be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good? In the minds of crazy people. In the minds of the people that teach elementary yeah. principles. Yes, yes, yes. Stay away from the bars. Yeah, yeah. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I find this interesting, Steve. The word for setting your mind on things above yes. is, the definition is high-mindedness. I think it's pronounced phroneo. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think you're right. From what I looked at, phroneo means high-minded. Here it's a positive, but do you happen to have Romans eleven twenty? I know you. I can get there. I can get there real fast. The same word is used in a negative way in 1120. And if we compare the two passages, we're going to solidify our case for not having your mind on earthly things or your mind on yourself. Okay, I'm in Romans 11. I think it's 20. Okay, where Paul is telling the people in Rome about the idea that the Jewish nation was cut off from the olive tree so that they could be grafted in so that the Gentiles could be grafted in and he says quite right they were broken off for their unbelief but you stand because of your faith do not be conceited but fear for if God did not spare the natural branches neither will he spare you In other words, you didn't get yourself grafted in. It was God who grafted you in. So don't be high-minded about it. It's the same exact word. Be high-minded. Set your mind on things above. means be high-minded. Set your mind on heavenly things. And here it's got a negative. Right, because it's not thinking about your mansion in the sky. It's thinking about where you're, which he's going to get into right here, but I want to compare the two. In Romans 11, 20, their mind was on themselves keeping the law. Their performance. And they were saying, we're part of the vine. We've done our part. Yes. They were high-minded about their performance, giving themselves a better grade than they should. That's what high-minded means. In that case, yes, their high-mindedness was thinking they were the source. Well, Paul makes setting that. their minds on themselves. So the first thing he says in Colossians three is, "What you died, your life is hid with Christ in God." 
set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, which is what the you, nation of Israel did. You, you see, the negative high-minded is when you set your mind on your own performance. The positive way to be high-minded is when you set your mind on the ability that the heavenly gifts give you. The, set your mind on the gifts from above. Every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of the heavenly lights in whom are no shifting shadows, James chapter 1. Those gifts are what you set your mind on when you're being the right kind of high-minded. If you're being the wrong kind of high-minded, you're setting your mind on your performance. And if you think that performance meets the standard of righteousness, you're arrogant. Because your righteousness is as a filthy rag to God. Make sure we get this. Yes. Set your mind on things above. You died and your life is hidden with Christ. So we're talking about living the exemplary Christian life. Our mindset is towards looking to God, looking through the Spirit of Christ living in us, looking to the Holy Spirit, to live to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That is a heavenly point Go of ahead. view. Heavenly point that is of setting view. your mind on things. That's above. a heavenly point. I want just to make this known that Jesus says, You are from below, but I am from above. And he was right there on earth. He was no more above anything than anybody else. What he's talking about is the Father in him. The invisible, I am from the invisible realm. What the invisible realm does is what counts. You're talking about life in the physical realm. I am talking about life in the invisible spiritual realm and tapping into that power. That's why it says, Set your wisdom from above is peaceable and spiritual and gets along with everybody but James chapter 2 says with chapter 3 says wisdom from below is earthly natural and demonic or of the devil it's earthly that word natural is human wisdom from below is human when you want to use your human wisdom and you set your mind on things below you are setting your mind on what your human wisdom can do. And James goes on to say it's actually of the devil because he's taking control of you and captured you as 2 Timothy 2.24 says. He has cap the devil has captured you to do the devil's will. And God needs to grant repentance again and put your mind on things above which means on the power of the spirit that is within you, which came from above. Do you remember you were born from above? Yes. It, unless you're born from above, unless you have the spiritual entity that is from above abiding in you, you can't see the kingdom of God and you can't enter the kingdom of God because it's only the spirit spirit that can enter into this kingdom of God. And even though this life from below is your best effort, you're trying really hard, it's not that, it's earthly, demonic, 
unspiritual at best. And you said the word invisible, right? Doesn't he say the same thing? Your life is hid with yes. Christ. It's invisible. invisible. But when Christ, who is your life, appears, it says here. Yes. It's our word, Fanaru again. Which manifest. Is manifest, yeah. Whenever. It, it's actually whenever. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's not a single event sometime in the future uh, that's sometimes called the rapture or anything. It's whenever, which means... Any time of the day. 2 o'clock on Tuesday, 3 o'clock on Friday, 1998, 2012, 2022, whenever. Whenever Christ, who is your life, manifests, whenever this invisible life of the Spirit manifests, it says you will be manifest. Let me read it. I'm going to go back to 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you die... And your life is hidden. Your spiritual life is invisible with Christ and God. When, whenever Christ, who is your life, appears, and that's our word, fanaru, manifest, then you will also manifest with him in glory. See, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when it's the Spirit, it meets the glory of God. And that word glory is sometimes in the Old Testament of a scale, a balance. Weight. Yeah, we all fall short of that glory. Yes, that weight. That weight. We, we don't make the mark. No. You will appear with him in glory. I'm thinking of 1 John 4. It's 1 John 4, and it has that Fanaru word, manifest verse. You're the expert. I think it's like 4 after it starts in 7. 4.12? Yeah. 4.12. It's 412. Do I get it? Yeah. It says, No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another... Can I stop you there? Sorry. No one has ever seen God is a better word for beheld? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No one has ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is fanarud in us, is manifested in us. See. His love is shown, it's seen. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. This is how we know if we're manifesting love, then he's abiding in us and showing through us. If you, Jesus said to Peter, if you've seen me, you've seen God because Peter could always see God manifesting himself through Jesus, and it's the same for us. We can see God manifesting himself through each other. I see God manifest himself through Bill all the time, and I darn well know it when I'm doing it. And I know when they're his words too, but it's a pleasure to fellowship with the spirit when you can recognize the spirit and that is what the whole entire book of first john is about learning how to recognize whether you're fellowshipping with the flesh the human nature or the spirit and he says in the first chapter verse six I write this letter to make your joy complete. And he teaches you how to fellowship and know 
whether you're fellowshipping again with the spirit or the human nature. So we see that it's manifest or rendered apparent. The, the definition for the Greek word phanaru, which is translated oftentimes manifest, in Colossians 3 it's translated appears. Whenever he appears, we shall appear with him in glory. So that word, that definition for that word phanaru is rendered apparent or becomes obvious. It's obvious, especially since Steve knows me, it's all the more obvious when I do a righteous act. It's rendered apparent that the spirit of Christ is moving inside of Bill. And Bill is experiencing Christ. Isn't that what Jesus said eternal life is? He said eternal life is experiencing God in in chapter 17 of John. Experiencing God. And and I just want to do Colossians 3 one more time because it's so important because it takes a while to get these ideas out of your head. Yes. Okay, so first thing, if then you've been raised with Christ, since then you've been raised with Christ. That is a, uh, both of those are, in your life is hidden with Christ and God. Both of those are in the middle voice, meaning you didn't do them. God, God did that for you. One of them is the fact that you died is in the perfect tense, meaning it's an act that needs not repeating. When Jesus died on the cross, you died on the cross. It's a fact. It's a perfect tense, meaning it happened at a time in the... I'm sorry. It's an act that needs not repeating. Yes. You died, you're dead. Never to die again. Never to die again. Your debt is paid in full. And the life you live is comes from above. And the life you live... You live by the faithfulness of the Son of God in Galatians, which is equal to from above, from the life from above. You've been born from above. Set your mind on things from above, which is set your mind on the new man, which is from above to get the job done for you, not set your mind on things that are from below, which is the earthly, natural, human nature, or the old man, you're setting your mind on things above, which is none other than setting your mind on Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, that's in the aorist tense, meaning that it happened at a point in time in the past with present tense results, ongoing present tense results. Your life is hid with Christ is also in the the aorist tense, meaning that it happened at a point, we don't have an aorist tense in English. Yeah. We have a simple past tense. Right. But it's also in the middle voice, which in English we only have passive voice and active voice. Active is the boy hit the ball passive is the ball was hit the ball ball hit the boy I'm sorry middle voice is the best I could come up with Uh, I saw this example as part of the definition was the lasagna baked in the oven the lasagna wasn't participating in the baking of itself in the oven 
but it was baking in the oven as a result of the uh, oven being hot. It was baking, but it was baking by the energy of the oven, which is the same with us. We are living righteously, but we are living righteously by the energy of the Spirit. Right. So getting back to what is our part, the only thing you could consider our, our part or your part is setting your mind on things above and not setting your mind on earthly things. But you really can't take a lot of credit for that because you didn't put yourself above and you're not the one that took the death for sin for you. Right. In Romans 8, 5, 6, and 7 will not let you take credit for setting your mind on things above because it says your mind was controlled by the Spirit. It's our word, I pair. You go back a few podcasts, you'll, well, just briefly, I pair is in means in the abundance of if in the abundance the spirit you'll have your you'll do the things the spirit does does right if the flesh is in abundance you'll do the things of the flesh the things from below if the spirit is in abundance then you'll do things from above so he's saying in Colossians 3 since all these things are a fact that you died and your life is hid with Christ it's all done, not through you. It's already done for you. It's a fact. Relax. Set your mind on things above. And you're not being arrogant now. You're in walking in accordance with the truth. Since this is a fact that you died and your life is hit with, hidden with Christ and God, go ahead and relax your mind on these thoughts. And just whew, take a deep breath. Relax. Rest. Jesus. Rest. Make every effort to enter that rest. Means the same thing, doesn't it? Yes. So he's saying, set your mind, set your heart on things above. And then he lists the facts. Here's the cool part. When Christ, who is your life, manifests, then you also will appear with him in glory. You also will manifest with him with all the glorious outcome as if Jesus himself was doing it. Because in reality... Jesus himself is living his life through you. You're abiding in the vine. I remember we went into that Old Testament scripture, those that wait on the Lord. Yes. And we found that that word wait actually means to entwine themselves together the same way. What a rev that was. Yeah. Jesus said the same thing. If your eye is single, we looked up that, that Greek word for single eye, it's almost the exact definition of waiting for the Lord. If your eye is single, if you've set your sights on things above, if you've set your mind on things above, what you see is single, single-mindedness. And the definition for single eye is entwined together, just like waiting on the Lord is entwining together. So that's what he's saying here. If this be true, set your mind have a single eye, have a single focus that your life is hidden with Christ and God. If your life is hidden with Christ and God and you single-mindedly thinking that with a single eye, then that's going to cause you to wait on the Spirit, isn't it? This is how you live the exemplary Christian life. 
it's a life of rest so that you can labor harder than all the rest. But it's not you doing the labor, it's the grace of God in you doing the labor because you're resting. You get more work done by resting than you do by laboring. Okay, so we rest. What about this, Steve? Now it's telling me not to rest. I'm going to go to verse 5. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of such things, the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient. That doesn't sound like resting, Steve. That sounds like you better get busy. Yeah. Can I interject Romans 8, 13? Um, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will have Zoe life. So how do you put to death that immorality and all those things? By the Spirit's power once again. Well, I, I thought, I mean, this sounds like, if okay, you're yeah, trying- that's, not, that's good. I'm seated in heavenly places. Yeah, great. Okay, I'm there. But now I got to get busy and put to death. And what does that do? Yeah. If, if I if I haven't got this yet and I go to here, I'm going to think yeah. I better need to get busy again. If you're high-minded, naturally, you're going to think in your human nature that you need to put to death these things. But if you're high-minded spiritually, you'll know that if by the Spirit you put to death these things, everything will be okay. Romans 8, 13, I believe, maybe 8, 11. If by the Spirit you put to death these things, put to death your immorality, impurity, all those things, you put them to death by the Spirit's power, not your determination to kill them. No. Otherwise, you're high-minded. If you're determined to kill them, then you're high-minded in a negative way. So with those thoughts in mind, let me do... a a final prayer and we'll in a sense do a little review during the prayer because I want to pray for those things to happen Father Father in your son's name I'm asking that you would set our mind on things above because our mind and the renewing of the mind is done by the Holy Spirit it's not something that man chooses to do man says who will change my mind and God says I will change your mind for you I will set your mind on things above and keep you entertained with thoughts about my power that can work within you and how good life can be and how much better how 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 much of a better husband you can be. You can set your mind on just how great a husband you can be by the power of the Spirit within you that will cause you to think about the power of the Spirit within you. So, Father, I'm asking that your Spirit do these things for each and every guard dog out there all the guardians of grace, may they get a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can know the hope of their calling, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
that they can know and depend on Jesus Christ in each and every guard dog so that day by day they can let Jesus shine in them and become shining examples of what a Christian is supposed to be because that's the goal for Guardians of Grace, to be the best Christian we can be, to be the holiest Christian we can be, to be the sinless Christian that we can be. Father, that's what we all want. And we know that's done by your spirit and not our determination, Father. So allow each one of us to depend on that spirit. In other words, allow us to abide in the vine so we're not grafted out. Father, let us stay grafted into your vine so we can bear much fruit. For without abiding in that vine, we can bear no fruit. And Lord, you know that the modern day church does a lot of bearing no fruit because it's not being taught to abide in you. Like Paul said, this is my way of life in Christ Jesus. I can't say those words loud enough, Lord. In Christ Jesus that Paul taught everywhere in every church, allow every person to realize that that was the message Paul was teaching. Like the Holy Spirit teaches, abide in Jesus. Both the Holy Spirit and Paul were both saying and teaching the same thing, Father. So allow all the guardians of grace to get that one simple message and live by it and thereby blossom as Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We love you. Good night. We love you. Good night.